Welcome to the Powering Real Estate Podcast, sessions with top real estate business leaders and their strategies for success. Learn from some of the best in the industry. Join Lee Adkins as he talks to industry leaders on how they built and maintain their real estate business. All right, I'm here today with Stephanie Lanier. How are you, Stephanie? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Good, good. Absolutely. So you're the team leader of the Lanier Property Group. You guys are based in Wilmington, North Carolina. Why don't you tell me a little bit about uh, your background getting into this crazy business, then we'll talk about uh, the team. Sure, absolutely. So yes, we are in Wilmington, North Carolina. It's a little coastal dream town that is being discovered. Uh, you know, people are moving here in droves, which I understand. So how I got into real estate is um, a really personal story, which I think is probably true for a lot of people. But my son was diagnosed with a rare genetic disorder when he was 19 months old. And the medical bills that we began to you know, have and just sort of the reality of what we needed to do to take care of him, not only did I need to probably get a job because I was a stay-at-home mom at the time, I really needed something for my mental health, honestly, like something positive and I don't know, predictable, although real estate's not that predictable. It's more predictable than like your medical issues and and just an opportunity to have something that was really flexible. Like I would not have to answer to someone to be in the office nine to five. So my husband had been in real estate before. He kind of helped friends and family, was very kind of chill about it. But he had always said, you'd be such a great realtor. And I was like, oh, I'm a social worker. Like I used to be a therapist and do lots of clinical social work. And I just didn't see myself as a, as a salesperson, you know, like it just wasn't something I thought about, never went to business school, didn't think about those things. But when Oliver got sick, you know, we just, it changed my whole life pretty instantly. And so I was like, you know what, I'll give that a try. I like, I I need something that is just for me. And I really want to throw myself at this new opportunity. So I got licensed in March of 2012. And as they say, the rest is history. That's awesome. I, I love that for you. And, and it's funny because I, I met you shortly after that. And I thought you'd been in for forever and ever. So for what it's worth, it didn't show. But um, so tell me a little bit about Lanier Property Group, kind of where, where it stands today, and maybe a little bit of the evolution there too. Yeah, absolutely. So when we're recording this, we have six full-time agents. Probably when this is released, we'll have seven um, and then on our way to eight. So hopefully, you know, by the end of March, we'll have eight full-time agents and then we'll have about two and a half admin um, to support the agents. We are a very close-knit group. We spend a lot of time together. We really do work as a team. It's not just like a hashtag or whatever. It's real. It's about we, not me over here. So that's healthy and good. And it's just, really the best group of work colleagues you could ask for. A lot of trust, a lot of history, a lot of hard things we've been through personally and professionally together and a lot of fun things too. So it's a great group. Our culture is really important. We have a really long hiring process because we really want to just give people lots of opportunities to get to know us and to get to know them. And that's been really successful. It took us a while to get that figured out. But now that we sort of have it, it's it's been really great. So that's really fun. And yeah, I guess the evolution of the team. So we were a boutique brokerage and we were independent and that was really fun and awesome. I still love all my indie broker friends and have so much respect for the incredible amount of work it takes to build a brokerage from the ground up. It's different than a team. But what happened is like I didn't intend to be a team at Intracoastal Realty. Like that wasn't something that was on my list 
But I began to feel in 2019, like I needed to make a move. And I'm like, I literally felt like God was sort of encouraging me to make a move somewhere, somehow. It wasn't clear to me. Like I thought maybe I need to move houses. Like I was not, I just kept thinking I need to make a move. And I told my therapist, like, I felt like I had so much coming at me. There were so many responsibilities. And I was like in the middle of a valley where there were like snipers everywhere. And and I could stay there and sort of melt under all this pressure and responsibility, or I had to get up and move and take some risk there too, and try to find something that I thought was going to be more sustainable. And when you run a brokerage, you have so many additional things on top of you that you don't as a team. You're the tech department. You have to deal with postcards. You're ordering signs and then they come and they don't look right. Like the, the amount of additional work that I was sort of taking on, on top of Oliver's, you know, our son's health at the time, He's doing pretty well now. I should say that people always wonder he's doing it. Okay. He's 13 and uh, he's very happy and joyful. He's still very, you know, just a very interesting kid and that he loves to spin everything. He loves to be outside. He's still profoundly autistic and nonverbal, but you know, we love him. And that season though, in 2019 was really challenging with some of his behaviors and some of his health issues. And so when I was at the Oyster Roast, so at Early Gardens in Wilmington has an Oyster Roast every year, and I saw Jim Wallace, who started Intracoastal Realty, and um, I had a glass of wine, and their band was playing, and I was just chatting with him, and I said, hey, Jim, you know, so-and-so brokerage calls me every year. They want me to join, you know, join up and sign up, and there were brands from up north. I mean, a lot of different brands have reached out over the years because, of course, it's much easier to start with a small independent brokerage than from zero. And he is super tall. And I feel like he like, I just feel like he bent over sort of towards me. And he just said, Stephanie, if you ever thought about that, would you please call me first? And I was like, really? He was like, of course, we would love to talk to you. You would fit into the Intracoastal family so well. Like, please, please give me a call. I'd love to talk to you about that. And I just sort of left thinking like, huh, that that was interesting. And like he they, they really would want me as part of the Intracoastal family. And so it's sort of, I waited two weeks to call because I was super nervous. I reached out to a lot of mentors. Every mentor was like, what is wrong with you? Like call, like right. have a meeting. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with having a meeting. And um, everything just really sort of evolved from there. And a lot of conversations about where they were going and their vision for the brokerage and, and what I would hope for if I did take the brokerage into a team model. And it's just worked out really beautifully. We officially announced it on February 1st of 2020. And the timing of that was really providential. And during the pandemic, having the support of a much bigger team was critical to our success. And I mean, we have basically, we doubled our production from last year to this year, which is not true for necessarily everyone. But I think it took us honestly six months to a year to get our head wrapped around their system, like the way they do things. I mean, that onboarding into a much bigger group. I mean, they have 550 agents. We had like eight, you know, so that was a huge, um, you know, learning curve. But once we got the hang of it, I think that that really freed us up this year to just kind of, you know, go all the way in with our sales and our, our marketing and our team stuff. So that's, that's where we are right now. That's great. I love that. And we talked a little bit before we hit record. I just want to acknowledge too, how important I think it is that you made a smart decision for you based on your situation and your people. You know, I think a lot of people, you know, might have like say, oh, why would you, you know, isn't that a step back or whatever? But I, I love, you've always been really open and honest about, about lots of things. 
but I love that, that you speak so clearly about that because I think it, it is important. It was it was a it was a smart move, and it continues to be the right move. You know, for you. Guys. Yeah, I mean, it was the best business decision I ever made. And and Trey, who's sort of taking over for his dad, I should say that like we were in Leadership Wilmington together. So I knew Trey, who's a little bit younger than me. For many years, we were friends. We would run into each other at conferences. So the basis of this whole thing was built on a lot of just goodwill and trust and and really knowing each other in the market for a long time. So that really helped. But honestly, I think that, you know, become a brokerage, become a team, don't have a team anymore. Just be you and your husband or you and your assistant. You have to figure out what makes the most sense for you. There are plenty of solo agents potentially making more money and a lot happier than team leaders who have, quote unquote, 20 people on their team. I mean, you really have to figure out where your gifts and talents lie, what makes the most sense for you, and then making sure that you have the right brokerage fit, whether that means you need to do it on your own or or join up. So I just, the other thing that's different is that Intracoastal dominates um, our market with listings and especially luxury. Other markets are extremely fragmented, but our market is not. There is Intracoastal and then a ham, like two other sort of major players, and that's it. And there are a ton of little boutiques. So that also, if we lost luxury listing appointments, it was always because people would say, I love you. I want to list with you, but I really, I want their brand. I want, I want that sort of you know, they've been here since 1972. So it's been really nice. And thankfully, knock on wood, we have not lost any luxury listing appointments we've went to because now I think we have the power of the brand, which the Wallaces have built so beautifully, along with like all the stuff that we've done. And it's just great. I mean, it's truly, it's truly been a win. But yeah, you're right. People were like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I was like, oh, this is not anything to be said. This is great news. This is wonderful. Like this is, this is a truly coming out of a place of strength. This wasn't like a we're falling apart, broken, please take us. It was, I had a glass of wine at the Oyster Roast and chatted with Jim and the rest is history. Here we are. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. I think, you know, I don't know if you call that engineered serendipity. I don't know exactly what you call it, but it's certainly, it's serendipitous anyway, anyway, you slice it. One of the things I think, you know, that strikes me, you know, there's a couple of things about you that I think are very, areas that you're very strong in. I know one of them, and I want to dig into this a bit more, is certainly building culture as a company. And that's such a weird, like, it's an over, such an overused term, right? It's like, oh, our, we, we have great culture. Can't you see this, this plaque on our wall? But talk to me about how you guys have built culture and kind of what that means to you. Yeah, it's like, is it culture? Is it a vibe? Is it what it feels like to be a part of something? I, you know, I don't know, but all of that's true. And for us, we, we just care about our people a lot. That's really the basis. I mean, there's a lot of empathy. There's a lot of trust. And you really need to know that your leader cares about you. You need to respect them, of course, and have some level of confidence that they know what they're doing. But beyond that, it really comes into trust. And do they really care about me? And do they take the time to help me make the best decision for my family, which sometimes is not the best decision for the bottom line. But family first is always going to trump everything for us. Like that's not a hashtag or something we have on the wall that's empty. We have had to make big sacrifices as a team and as a company to make sure that people can put their family first. And a lot of those are stories that we can't even privately talk about because those are people's, that's their own business and their own private story. But they know, they know where Andrew and I stand when they need us. And they know that we will be there and, and that it can be private and confidential because it needs to be. And that is, I think, what people are really looking for when they're really giving their best effort, their career, their life, you know, they're, they're hitching their wagon to your star. And to know that 
they can count on you is huge, you know, and you also care. I mean, it's like, I always say that we try to balance accountability and encouragement. I probably fall a little too hard on the encouragement because we love to have fun. And I really love to celebrate milestones and, and just support people. But there is accountability too in sales, of course. And so it's like, I think the yin and the yang on that is where you have to be. And when, when companies get or teams get too far on one opposite or the other is often when the wheels fall off, it's like, oh, you just have like a social club where everybody's high-fiving each other and it's just like ponies and rainbows. Or you get to this like grind, you know, terrible sales thing where you're circle dialing all the time and people are quitting every five minutes. So we try to kind of have both. And that's been overall pretty successful for us. Yeah, I don't want to overthink it, but I think it might be valuable for people to understand, in my opinion, you can obviously speak for, for your experience with your group. When the encouragement comes first, the accountability is a lot easier. Because then you want, then you want, you want to be part of the group and have the accountability. I think too many people are like, you got to make your calls, you got to hit your numbers or whatever, and then you now you can win, you know. But yeah, the first conversation is like, hey, I've seen you make a lot of mistakes on your contracts. What's going on? How can I help? This is not like you. I mean, being curious about people, and if you know them and know that they're a person who generally it really has excellence when it comes to paperwork and details. This is a clue that they don't need to be, you know, forced to make more calls. They might need to go on a vacation. They might need help. And I think that that's how you end up retaining an excellent team. It's those moments that matter. When people are doing well, that's when you can push them hard. When people are falling apart, uh, you need to be a soft place to land. This is not the time to try to push it. And if you care about them enough and you're invested enough, you're willing to go through the hard stuff. Because, I mean, if you work together for more than three or four years, somebody's going to have some valley. Something's going to happen. And the extent to which you do or don't need to support them or be involved is going to be different. Um, but man, every valley that you go through with people builds an incredible amount of, of friendship, you know? And I think, I don't know, it bonds you together in a way that no real estate sales ever will, even the biggest sale you ever do. There's nothing like that compared to walking through someone who's having to help an aging parent go through hospice or somebody who's going through a divorce or somebody's child who's a teenager and has a crisis. These are the things, this is why people stay. It's not the split. They don't stay for the splits, you know? And they also might stay for our team meetings. We do so many fun things. What's coming <laughs> up in our Easter egg hunt. So I hide Easter eggs all over the office and I put like good stuff in there, like money, like $100 bill, gift certificate for a pedicure, like whatever, dinner out. And they tear this place up. It takes me three days to clean it up after they like go bananas, but it's so fun. And I think that's part of it too. It's like, we have fun together. Like we are going to get results, but we're going to have a good time and be creative. And um, I'm really looking forward to that because that is like coming up very soon. And I'm already thinking about where can I hide these eggs? Because we've been in this office so long. Like I don't even know, you know? <laughs> That's so awesome. But I, I love that so much. And that is very true to you. I mean, I think that comes across in your online persona, you know, be it, be at the website or social or wherever. But it, it's true. It's so it, you are so authentically that way. Like you are, you are fun. And I see how that as a group, but, but I love, I appreciate you giving the context around difficult parts too, because said and done, I think, like you said, it, it's the whole cycle. It's the whole package that makes it work, right? If you just celebrated the numbers and those wins, then it, it doesn't work the same way. You know, you, you guys are, you guys have each other's back and you've, you've all, you've had, you've proven it, you know? 
Yeah. And I think there's, there's, it's, we don't even have to say no gossip. Like nobody would do that. Like we're grown women. There's a lot of confidence. There's a lot of compassion and love. It's just the least toxic work environment I've ever been in. Like I can't be in a toxic work environment. Real estate is so hard right now. I need my office, my team to be a soft place to land. We have got to be, you know, very, very much a family within these walls. So we can then go out to almost war with other buyers and buyers agents trying to get these houses under contract. I mean, it is just a very intense environment out there in here. We have that place where we can take a deep breath and be ourselves. And I just, I think that's really, it's important. And I mean, again, you can't be ponies and rainbows if you haven't demonstrated that you know what you're doing too. You know, like I'm out there selling with the team. It's not that I'm sitting over here and twiddling my thumbs. I mean, I'm out there grinding with them. They know when I'm working. They know how much I'm invested in this too. And I think that that's really key. But I will tell you, somebody recently was like, how many, I know our sales volume as a team, but like, what's my sales volume as a person? I don't know. I don't even care. I'm not sure. I know how many deals I did because I track that. I mean, that's like a more normal number for me to keep in my head, but I have no idea of the 51 million we did, like what, part of that was mine. We're a team working together and we try not to be super focused on those personal things other than you need to track it. And you got to feed yourself, but really is a group effort. And I'm not being disingenuous and saying like, I don't, I don't really know. We did it. But I think to your, to your point, units is a measure of how many people you're helping. So it's not a dollar figure. It's that we're helping this yeah, many amount of families. Yeah, exactly. So I just, I think that that's all so important. You cannot have this whole teamwork rah, rah, rah thing. If you're a person who really, really wants the spotlight to yourself, like you shouldn't have a team. People will outgrow your team constantly. Yeah, exactly. And so it almost goes without saying, but just if there's anything specific to add as far as retaining agents, I mean, you create an environment where they want to be, you help them when they need help, you don't micromanage them. That's going to clearly lead to retention. Is is there anything else you want to add kind of on the retention side? Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I think a few things. I mean, specifically, we don't want our agents to ever outgrow our team. So our agents do listings. They work with buyers. You know, sometimes we have lead campaigns that we bring a person in on to say, hey, what do you think about this? I'd like for you to learn the system or process. We give them a ton of administrative support. We also have an intern that runs their checks around. I don't want that. Look, anybody can run a check around town. It's just not the best use of your time. Like go hang out with your family or make some more phone calls or host an open house. But Let's have the college kid run the checks around town. Like some of it is me trying to trying to teach them and then put our company resources to use to say, hey, what do you need to delegate and what do you need to do? So there's a lot of that that I think is really important in retaining people. And then, I mean, the other thing is like, I have this thing, it's a worksheet, it's called Deets on Peeps. Like it's, it's the details. People feel loved in the details. You need to know the details about your team, which is why you can't know the details about 30 people. Like probably leading 10 to 12 people is the max that any person can do really well, depending on how you're set up. So we're kind of getting there as a team to to that level. But at this point, like I know my administrative assistant, who's also our operations manager and does everything like she's just, I mean, she's amazing. But I know her coffee order and I know the kind of candy bar she would pick at the grocery store. And I know what's most important to her. And I can read her body language and and respond to that. These are the things that keep people happy and going. And one of the things I just said recently is one of our agents hit six figures and it was a huge deal to her. We, of course, are not going to post that on social media. That would be tacky. But for her, it was the first time she'd ever made six figures. That's a big deal for most people. I mean, that's awesome. 
So I had a piece of artwork made for her. And there are six of these things that she really loves in the painting. And I know what it means. And she knows what it means. And that's it. It's our thing, right? That is how people feel loved and cared for. And knowing her and knowing that that's what she would most appreciate versus somebody else may want something, I don't know, a little bit more public or whatever. That's just everything. I mean, details are actually where intimacy is. And and to intimately know someone is because you spent the time and you care enough to get to know them. And I just, I think we do that through fun things like what's your, you know, spirit animal stuff, like sort of funny things. And we do it through serious, you know, like finding out what people, you know, when they're going through stuff, what really works. And, you know, it's like Caitlin had a baby, Lisa's about to have a baby. Like we're going to set up a meal train. We're going to take, we're going to try to take care of you as best we can. Not because we have to, but we want to, we know how hard it is. Like our team at this point is full of moms. The person who's joining us is, um, is not a parent yet, but I know that he eventually wants to become a parent, have a family. And I think as, as we really keep focused on the family, that's just, you know, it's giving paid maternity leave to my admin staff and it's setting up a meal train and making sure that we got a chicken pot pie that's gluten-free because somebody like it's a lot, but that's how people feel loved. Well, and I think it's important to note, and you may or may not, I mean, you probably do know this, but I think it's important to note that you are clear personally on what it is and what you want and the feel that you want. And it makes it a lot easier to navigate that and find people who align with that because you know what it is. Right. They're, they should be magnetized to it. Like if this is right for you, you should feel like even from looking, people say, I look at your Instagram post and the way that you guys are positioned in the photos. Cause like we're hugging each other a lot. Cause we, I mean, we sit really close together at our meetings. We don't have a big office that even that tells a story. It, you can tell people have known each other a long time. It looks like often like bridesmaids in a wedding where there's like this sense of friendship. You can see some kind of shared thing, the photos of laughing and all this other stuff, which is just would be totally forced if you were with people you didn't know very well, which is why a lot of like team pictures look really weird and super stoic and just strange. They look like attorneys that are about to like beat you up. And maybe that's your vibe. I mean, I don't know. But for us, we're like, we're just like regular folks who would love to help you buy and sell real estate and be a part of that big life moment for you. And if you meet us on the street, this is sort of what we look like. And this is what you would expect. I think that's part of it too, is like, do not, this is more like on the recruit side, but like, and and retention too, don't put out visual imagery or words or stuff that's not accurate. I mean, if you wear flip-flops and khakis and a polo to showings, don't take your, you know, your photos in this three-piece suit. Like be who you are and people um, will either really like that or really won't. And that's okay. Either way. Yeah. That clarity is really powerful. Yes. I love that. So let's pivot similar, but a little bit more to like the staff side of things or, or even intern. Like it's one thing with agents because no matter what, they're independent contractors. Like the environment, the culture, all that is is very super important, but they're independent contractors. So talking a little more about staff and, and culture and delegation and all that, like how, how what's your what's your view on on that with, with staff? My whole thing, I'm just thinking about so Lisa and Caitlin are the two full-time people right now, and then we're hoping to bring on another part-time person um, to stay, even after Lisa is done with maternity, because that's one of the challenges with, you know, with admin staff and people who are paid employees. I mean, we absolutely want to honor that. It's different, right? But 
I told Lisa and Caitlin, I say this all the time, like they'll never be bored with me because like, in addition to doing real estate, like, you know, I do some public speaking. I also have a podcast. Um, we have this little business called the inspirational app where we put on these giant conferences. They're in all of it. It's like, basically I'm like, welcome to my life and world. I mean, Lisa, I'm on the chamber of commerce. I'm the chair of the public policy committee. I'll be the chair next year. Lisa, who came, came out of a political background was helping me with some of the stuff I'm preparing for. Like, it's like, hey, here are the things I'm doing in my life. You're probably going to get involved with them. Are you down with that? Is that exciting to you? Do you? Are you interested in these things? So that's been really cool. We do we do have job descriptions. We revise those hopefully every six, um, about six months. But we revise them if we need to shuffle them. There's a lot of shuffling, a lot of changing. We try to have a really systematic process for our intern. We're actually hiring right now. So we build a website for that. I mean, everything is pretty systematic and planned out, but... For Caitlin and Lisa, you know, we meet together in the office. Um, most days we're here, we're kind of in constant communication and it just flows. If we had a bigger team, it, this would not work. But while you can still holler at everybody and share a pizza, this kind of leadership and this process works. I know this does not work as you scale and grow, but for now, th that's how we do it. And it's worked um really well. And I mean, honestly, props to Lisa and Caitlin for being extremely flexible. Their jobs have changed like 20 times. And I think you really, in an op operation like this, you're, you are signing up to come on this sort of career tra trajectory of your leader and whatever that kind of ends up looking like for them. So that's just been really fun. And Caitlin came through, I mean, she sent me an email from the Inspirational Lab newsletter and just said, hey, I'm not even unhappy at my job right now, but if you were ever hiring, I'd, I'd love to know about it. And we were going to hire in February, but she sent that in December. And so I just said, hey, like, tell me more about that. And she'd come to the conference and she worked for a, a new home developer in town. And it just, again, naturally evolved, but she was attracted to how we do business and it aligned with her values and, and the place she was in her life. So that's sort of how we try to do things. But yeah, it's a very... I think within our brokerage, like we run a very tight ship. I mean, we reconcile our bank accounts all the time. Our pipeline is right. I mean, we're running a business. It is extremely dialed in and there's a ton of accountability around that. And I love that. And Lisa has really grown so much in her understanding of the operations. I mean, she can operate the companies, plural, for sure. She now knows like last year, at the beginning of the year, I was like, hey, because taxes are real fun. And all those like, you know, 1099s, you have to send out like all this stuff that I needed help with. We did it together last year. And this year she did like 90% of it and better than I ever did. That's the beauty of delegation. That's the beauty of getting people in the right seat at the right time. It's important that I know how to do it. Like, I mean, that's important as a leader, but there's no reason to keep doing it if someone can do it better. So that's kind of how we're trying to grow, um, you know, as a team. And I'm trying to grow as a leader when somebody has talent and they're interested in something like, let's throw some resources at that and see, see where it goes. That's great. There's, there's a lot to unpack there. I'd love to actually go deeper on all of it. But for the sake, uh, sake of time, I do want to reference something that, and I'd love your take on this because and this is maybe true of the world now, but it's very true in real estate. I feel like you have to make good business decisions, but by the same token, everything is iterative in some way. So like that balance of we're going to iterate, but we're not going to go 180 degrees. Like that's the magic spot. And there's just, it's, I think it's, it's, it's a, it's an interesting challenge. It is. And I think you just, you need people 
with the right amount of flexibility if you're going to be in the real estate industry. So sometimes people who are really good at administrative tasks, they love spreadsheets. They want to get the right number. Um, nothing bothers Lisa more than something that won't reconcile over like two cents. Um, right. She has to find what it is. You know, it's it's like her brain works that way, which is why, again, our stuff is so clean and, and where it needs to be. But yeah, I, I think that it is something where you've got to find people with some level of flexibility and, and curiosity and excitement that we're not doing right. the same thing we did. Like, like, this is not a paralegal in a real estate office doing the same thing for 40 years. Like, I don't know. Right. I truly don't right. know what will happen in five years. I might run for governor. Like, I don't know what I'm going to be into, but I hope that this whole team that we are here together and we're doing whatever we're doing as a team. And so I think that that's just super important. And the other thing too, that I love about Caitlin and Lisa is like, I'll just have ideas or I'll bring something from something that I'm learning. And one of the things I can't believe we're 10 years in and we did not have a cash flow like spreadsheet that we work right. with. We had PLs, right. we had we but I never knew how to forecast stuff properly. And it was really my roles on nonprofit boards where I under I started watching how they were doing it and thought, why don't we have one of these things? And Lisa and I live and breathe by that thing. And to have another person get it with me, like in the weeds, understand it. Yeah. Is the best gift. It's the nobody ever did before. Nobody really was could see the whole chessboard. And to have another yeah. person who can, who has a kind of different lens and view on things anyway is so awesome. It is it is just like the biggest blessing. And I think if you have a team or you're running a company, the faster you can find that person, the better your life will be and your company yeah. will be. That that's been a common thread recently. If anyone's listening to this in order, they'll they'll see that see that happening. But uh that's really beautiful. One one more thing I want to tackle on and I want to talk a little bit about Inspiration Lab as well too uh and your podcast. But you know I want to talk a little bit about making decisions like you referenced it a couple of times, but just dig a little deeper into, you know, how do you make these decisions? What are the factors? What are team decisions? What are leader decisions? Like, how does that all happen? Yeah. One of my favorite books in the world is Thinking in Bets. It's by Annie Duke. And it's, uh, you know, the premise of it is poker, but life is much more like poker than chess, actually, which is so true on a number of levels. Uh, because there's an element of luck and surprise and like a lack of control, right? And, and chess, there's a, I don't know, it's it's just different. You don't have the luck element popping up. So it's an excellent book that helps you understand how to make decisions without going to Harvard or making it more complicated than it needs to make. It's really about understanding both your tolerance for the risk and your confidence in the outcome. So it's like, for example, this is how I ask clients, like, how sure are you that you're going to love this house? in five years? Like, are you 80%, 90%, 100%, 70? So if the wife says 60 and the husband says 100, now I have, like, we basically placed a bet on, and I have a forecast in their mind of, of how much they want this thing and what they're willing to sort of wager. And it's sort of like, you know, if you're talking to someone, you're like, oh, like, I feel like so-and-so made that, you know, their CD or that album came out in 1974. And it's like, no, it came out in 76. It's like, well, I bet you $20. And you're like, you know what? I don't know. Let's look it up. When you begin to put things, money, people, relationships on the line, you often can figure out how confident you are. So that helps you then understand how to make a decision. So that has helped me enormously, helped me really with some different friends who are trying to make decisions around like all this complicated stuff that's been happening, like vaccines, and they were trying to get pregnant. And like, instead of people yelling at them, just saying, here's a framework, like, here's how I would think about it. I don't know what the answer is for you, but I'm just giving you sort of a, a framework to come to a decision you feel at peace about. So I think that's helpful. And then as a team, we do things collaboratively. My team needs a long time to warm up to stuff. Like if I move the couch, they don't like it because 
they like consistency, you know, and they like to come to our little cozy little homey office. So I have learned that I need to give them a long time to think about an idea, to get their buy-in, to get their feedback. I mean, there have been a handful of things where they've said, like, we think this is a really bad idea, which I pretty much have said, okay, like if they say that, that is uh, scary to me because I feel like we generally are very much in lockstep. And it's just, they get, they take longer. Like I can make a decision and pivot very, very quickly. I've learned that most people don't operate this way. (laughs) So that was a really hard lesson for me though, as a a leader early on. I thought, oh, people will admire this. People will like this. And people do not like that. They really want to know if we're going to change directions. Why are we doing it? When are we doing it? What happens if it doesn't go well? How much research have I done? So I've really learned that. And then we sort of come together. We do that with hiring too. I mean, I have the final decision, but if anybody sees a red flag, it is their job to reach out to me and say, I am not sure about this because truly with this small of a team, it's like 10% of the entire team. So if we get 10% wrong or 15, when we were smaller, it was like 20%. You get off track on 20%, you have a massive problem. So that's part of the long hiring process for us, which I think I told you about earlier. I don't even know if we were recording, but we take a really long time to hire people so that we really can give candidates and us time to get to know them and, and then not just answer the questions the way we they think we want them to, but just really get the true answer. And then also they need to get to know us because they're going to get intimately involved with our whole world. And if we're not a good fit for them, that's okay too. I mean, this really has to be a win-win. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I'm totally with that. I, I think that that all makes great sense. And, and I I love that. And it makes, I make, that surprises me in no way. It makes perfect sense. Tell us a little bit, I don't want to take too much of your time on this or take as much time as you want, but I want to talk about Inspiration Lab because I think it's such a cool concept. I've, it's obviously specific to women, but I, I have, I love the newsletter. I try to support every way that I can. Yes. Well, no, we have, I have so many uh, guy friends who are like, I love your podcast episode on QuickBooks. It changed my life. Or like, it's so interesting to hear it, it's, yeah, primarily the audience is women, but also like everyone's human. And a lot of these things are, you know, it's not just women going through it. It is a very, you know, journey that everybody's on. So you're not certainly not the only person. I have a lot of uh, guys who are like, when are you going to do the guys version? And I was like, that is like so flattering. I have no idea where, like, I, I wouldn't even know what to do with that. But the fact that literally some of my friends, husbands who like the women were speaking. So the husbands came to the conference, they were like, we need, we need this too. Like, you know, maybe a different spin on some of the topics but that we're struggling with all of these things in many ways too. And in some ways struggling more than, than, but I think being specific makes it very safe, obviously. And I, I think that's part of the magic. Like you can't, it can't be like, Oh, there's a couple of guys. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And it's been, I mean, if you want to talk about like fertility or a miscarriage or menopause or things that just truly, you know, you're not going to necessarily talk about in those, you know, other environments. I think that that's really huge. And, you know, that's not, we don't talk about that a whole lot. The freedom to say it in a way that it feels safe and, and relatable is huge. So yeah, it's been it's been really cool. So the Inspirational Lab, I mean, as you know, but I started it, I was going to all these real estate conferences and I was hearing mostly like older white guys with like four assistants and three houses and, you know, generally a stay-at-home spouse give advice about work-life balance and self-care. And it just didn't resonate for me. I'm not saying it didn't work for them. It just was not in any way attainable or relatable. And um, on top of like, I have baby showers to host 
and meals to take to people. There's so much more. And I don't know if this is part of just being in the South or what, but it's, there are all these additional layers I'm on boards in the community. Like there are just things and things that kind of layer on. So how you sort of tackle that and talk about that in an open and authentic way was really interesting to me. And I wanted to just have a place where you didn't have to have 50 million in sales. You could have had a bad year. You could have taken some time off and that was okay. Instead of this sort of hustle culture that was really popular. I think COVID has helped us a little bit with this hustle culture piece, which is refreshing. But I always say that we you know, we want to crush our goals. We don't want our goals to crush us. And real estate's full of that stuff where it's like, oh, I sold the most I ever did, but my marriage imploded or my health is a wreck or I haven't seen my child in 12 months. I think that you, you can't have it all at any given time, but you can have a plan and you can have you know, guardrails in your life to help you make sure that the things that are most important, like that first things are first. And that is the kind of conversation I wanted to have in real estate, because as a social worker coming out of an industry, or I guess a profession, I should say, that is really wrapped into self-care, because like, how can you be a therapist if you're falling apart kind of thing? It's same thing with real estate. I mean, who wants a realtor who has just ground themselves into, you know, a health crisis? That's that's just not good for anyone, you know, but it happens accidentally. And nobody wants that to happen. It's not like people are like, oh, I'm driving towards a brick wall. Let me hit the gas pedal. I mean, you don't know until you hit it and then you hit it and you're like, oh, this is not sustainable. Well, one of the best ways around that is having a, a support group, right? Yes, it's having a support group. It's also having a team. I just don't know how people do real estate without me. Again, because if you need someone to show a property while you're in the hospital, like I was in the hospital with my grandmother not that long ago, I had to have a lot of help from the team and they were wonderful. They were happy to do it. Nobody was like exchanging money. It, it was just like, hey, I'm here when you need me. And I think that that's the, the modern practice of real estate requires a team. I mean, the amount of expertise you need to have in a million different ways, marketing, uh, lead generation and understanding the industry at large and negotiate. I mean, the one person cannot do all this. And so that's why I think the team model really works, whether it's a mega team, a small team, whatever. I do think we will see the solo agent continue to, you know, I don't know, be, and that will be, I think the exception, not the rule, at least in the sort of highest levels of production, you know, I mean, at least in our firm, the top probably 20 people are some kind of form of a team, husband, wife, person with two full-time administrative assistants or something. So I think that's the direction that we're going to see it continue to go. Yeah, no, that that makes good sense, and 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 so I think if people, I just want to to plug back for Inspiration Lab again. It, it's theinspirationlab.co. Is that right or Inspiration Lab? No, it's, I think it's I think it's theinspirationlab.co. But we we couldn't afford .com, so if you know the person who owns it, let us know. But yes, and um, we have a monthly newsletter where I write often about very personal things, but also some books I'm reading, which sometimes have nothing to do with real estate, but they often have to do with like business or psychology. And then we have monthly um, online events. We're going to have a real estate roundtable event coming up in March that is going to be about hiring, like how we hire, what we do, some worksheets, the quizzes, the questions we ask, and also how we run our internship program because people have been very curious about that. I think that's a real untapped resource for most agents. I mean, I think they really could be benefiting from an intern. So we're going to be doing that. And then hopefully we're going to have conferences um, again, but you know, COVID and all these things uh, unfortunately made it very ex expensive for us too um, to pivot. So we're hoping to bring those back and then have a podcast that I've been doing, which 
has been so much fun and so much work. So you don't have to worry about a ton. If you have a podcast, you don't have to worry about it being crowded because actually it turns out it is not easy at all. And, uh, but it's been so much fun. I can't believe like I'm allowed to do it. I'm like, this is my job. Like this is part of my job. I can't believe this. So fun. That's great. I love that. And I really appreciate you being on. I want to give a quick plug too to the Banner Year Blueprint, which is part of Inspiration Lab. It was a live session that you could get a document and attend that's, that's now passed, but you can also download the document. Um, mine's right there. I love it. It's Absolutely. awesome. I love that you made it available just to get just the document as yeah. well. I appreciate you so much, Stephanie. I think the way you run your business is really, really awesome. And I think you're you're so open about sharing too. I, I just I, I can't thank you enough for uh, for joining today and, and giving giving your giving us all your great info. Well, you're so welcome. And I also will send you some links to some of these like free resources we have, so people could download them, like Deets on Peeps, other things that we sort of like. We have landing pages for, so I'll send them and you can put them in your show notes or wherever you put them. That's perfect. I'll add them to show notes and that'd be great. I really appreciate you, Stephanie. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy listening to Powering Real Estate, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. Subscribes and reviews help other people find us and allow us to keep interviewing top industry experts. If you're looking for a customized solution for your follow-up boss account, or wanting a free assessment of your account, visit AmplifiedSolutions.com. There you can also find free resources and link with us. 